Can we give Jesus a big hand clap? Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I'd like you to keep clapping, but we don't have time. I want to honor Pastor Steve and Lisa. Can we honor Pastor Steve and Lisa? Wouldn't be here unless you have a vision. Thank you so much. Every time I see you, you're both looking younger and younger. I don't know what you're doing, but keep on doing it, bro. You look good. Amen. And then uh, Pastor Bill Bates and Becca, are they here? Are they here? Are the other, they're, why, why well, they should be hearing me here? I don't understand that. But uh, Pastor Dustin, he refers all the time to that uh, moment, but he has a great mom and dad, Pastor Bill Bates. Come on in, Becca. I, I, I don't know if they can watch me, but they may or may not, but can we give a big hand clap? I know they're not here. Centralia, Washington. Has anybody been in Centralia, Washington? Can I just see your hand? That's what I thought. Four people. The reason why I used to go to Centralia because they had outlet malls there. And then I found out they had a good church there. And then I did not know that because I would go preach there, that God would have me meet a young man who has married an incredible wife. Amazing wife, Jamie whose passion really lit the whole thing for the Dream Center. And, and I just want to give honor to whom honor it's due. And, and uh, Jamie is just amazing in her own right. My wife was bragging on her that she is the most prolific Bible teacher. And I just want to just encourage you with that because I just love, you know, my wife comes back bragging and, and, you know, she wants to sit at your feet because you're like giving her all this revelation and stuff like that. And I just want to give a word. Can I give a word really quick, guys? Okay. And it just felt as I was uh, getting ready this morning, and if you have a Bible, I'm just going to go to the book of, uh, this is not my message, just a quick prophetic word, uh, the book of Proverbs, book of Proverbs chapter 19, and uh, we're going to go chapter 19, I think it's verse 17 is the, uh, is the word, and um, I'm going to read out the uh, Passion Translation because I like that translation. And how many were at the gala last night? The gala last night was first class. So we do it every year. And um, so you need to make plans now to get to the gala next year. Because uh, we want to believe that we're going to raise over a million dollars next year. Amen for that. I've been to a lot of galas before. Um, and, and not just in church. But I've been to pretty significant meetings. I've been to the White House twice uh, meeting with uh, the President of the United States. I'm still waiting for the President, sitting President, to invite me. And people say, if President Biden would invite you, would you go? Absolutely, I would go. 100% I would go, right? Uh, because we need to have light, come on, invade every area. Can I hear an amen? And so you need to make plans next year to come. And I was so honored uh, just to be there for a few minutes and to see what God is doing through this great church, now the Dream Center and as I was getting ready in the morning, um, how many of you like to pray in the morning? Any, any people like to pray in the morning? How many people are night people you like to pray at night? Okay. That means that literally we had six people raise their hand for prayer in morning or night. <laughs> Let me just say this. Anybody pray? Can I just see your hand? Does anybody pray? Some of you should raise your hands. God, thank you for this food. That's prayer. Okay. Uh, some of us say stuff like this. Well, I don't have time to pray. How many of you think it's a good idea that you take a shower or bathe every day? Can I just see your hand? If somebody isn't raising their hand, move seats from them right now, okay? 
Here's what I would encourage you when people tell me I don't have time to pray. This is what I do is that I like to pray when I get up in the morning. I am a morning person. I get up, no matter where I'm at, I get up at 5.30 in the morning like clockwork. My wife, Pastor Wendy, who preached here a few weeks ago, she gets up at the crack of noon. Come on, somebody, help me. <laughs> Lunch is breakfast to her. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Right? And so I get up and I pray. So this is what I can authentically say I pray every day. I pray when I'm in the shower. I just, I'm just praying. I'm praying as I'm getting dressed. I'm praying as I'm washing my hair. That's a quick prayer. You'll get it later. You'll get it later. Right? So I was praying this morning. I felt like this church is such an amazing church. This church, come on, host the presence of God. It's presence over. It's presence over everything. Because in the presence of God, everything changes. But I was praying, and, and revival is like, is like for the church. How many of you know that we need more revival in our church, right? And, and, I, and I don't know when it's going to happen. It may even happen later tonight. I don't know. But there is coming a day, and I sense it's so strong. There's going to be revival that hits this church that this building will not contain it. And you will go like on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. You have to take a break and then to come back again Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Trust me when I say this, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen sooner than you think. So revival is something, but... But the Dream Center is about reformation, to change society, to begin to go out there and to begin to do things that somebody said that could not be done. There was a lot of other people that said, don't go there, Pastor Dustin, Jamie, don't go there. Nothing good happens there. It's too difficult. It's too hard. But I love it when somebody says, you know what, I'm going to do what God has called us to do. So we're just going to give a word really quick here. And it says this, Proverbs 19 of the Passion Translation and I love this because I just think that this is what the Lord, I know what the Lord is speaking to you. He says this, uh, verse 19, verse 17. He says this, every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to the Lord. Don't worry, you'll be repaid in full for all the good you have done. So, Father, I just prophesy, come on, Proverbs nineteen seventeen, Come on, over this church, God. That, God, you said when we give and we love and we serve the poor, God, you, we lend to you and, you we're, and you're a debtor to no man. Come on, no woman. So I speak increase and blessing over this church. Let millions of dollars come to help, Lord God, millions of people in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. How many of you were here at the first service? How many of you were here at the first service? Anybody? It was a great message, but I'm not preaching that one today. I really felt like, I, I told this to Pastor Dustin, that I, I normally don't, I've done this a few times at my church, and, um, and I felt like the Lord was going to have me speak uh, three different messages, and so for every experience, I was going to preach a different message. And, uh, and so I'm going to do that. Um, so I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It's crazy. This is the message I had in my heart, and then you start doing this, and I said to, to Pastor Cameron, I said, did he say that at the first service? And he said, no. So this was my God saying, I told you to do it. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, somebody say, let's go. Come on, say it louder. You'll be out quicker. Say, let's go. That was too loud. I don't know how to take that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Is that where you began, Pastor Dustin? Yeah, pretty interesting, isn't it? That's cool. I'm, I'm glad we're praying to the same God. Here we go. 
I don't know. You know, you have different kinds of gods out here. All right, here we go. Are you guys ready? I said, are you guys ready? Okay, here's what Jesus said. I'm going to read out of the ESV, so I don't know what you're going to throw up there. What did you read out of? ESV, fantastic. I didn't even know that, but that's what I'm going to do. Therefore, I tell you, do not be what? Anxious, say anxious. Another one says worry, say do not worry. About your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Tarje. It's a high-end place. That some of you boycotted. Here we go. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now that's got me in trouble. Just, just let them send the emails to me, okay? Somebody say, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither nor, nor sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Somebody say, ouch. That's what Dustin said, Pastor Dustin. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Say, eat. What shall we drink? Come on, everybody say, drink. drink. Or what shall we wear? Say, wear. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Somebody say, but we what? Added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray, God, you continue to speak to us revelation, not just knowledge. Move us, Lord God, into men and women that not only have faith, but show faith. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Amen. A- amen. I, I-, I want to just start here and just, just kind of jump off what Pastor Dustin said. Uh, I like to say it this way. What culture pursues, the kingdom attracts. So what happens is that culture pursues money and clothing, and pursues all this stuff. But men and women of God, we pursue his presence. And now what culture pursues, the kingdom attracts. What does that mean? That when I pursue God and his kingdom first, I attract everything else to my life. And so now I make God the pursuit of my life. In my businesses, it's not my business, I make God the pursuit of my life. And whatever I, I now pursue, whatever culture pursues, I now attract because I'm a kingdom man. So now I, I attract I attract investors. Now I attract everything that everybody else is pursuing. That's why the kingdom is an upside down kingdom. And so culture isn't doing it right. Why? Because they're not in the kingdom. The kingdom is the exact opposite of what culture is like. So I want you to just, just understand that for a second. So seek first the kingdom of God, and watch this, and everything else will be attracted or added to you. So important for you to know. I, I have not gotten success by chasing success. I have not gotten wealth by chasing wealth. I have not gotten blessings by chasing blessings. 
when I make him the priority, can I hear an amen right now? When I, when I go after the presence of God, when I begin to say, God, it's your kingdom first, listen to me, it's like a magnet. It's like, it's like a magnet. See, if I had an old horseshoe magnet, like those old, you know, red magnets, when, I, when the magnet is pointing away from me, it attracts things. But when I point it towards me, it repels things. If it's all about you, you're going to repel it. But if it's all about him, you'll attract it. Oh, I'm going to make myself happy right now. So everything about the kingdom is, 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 is totally different. So I like to say it this way. I like to say it this way. And you need to hear what I'm about to say. Believing in Jesus gets you saved, but thinking like Jesus makes you free. There are so many Christians that are in the kingdom, but they're bound up in the kingdom. It's not because they're not in the kingdom. It's because they're not thinking the way they should think. Because Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And I don't want to settle for being in the kingdom. I want to operate in the kingdom. And in the kingdom, it means I can be free from anxiety. I could be free from worry. I could be free from fear. I could be free from lack. I could be free from disease. I could be free from a lot of things. And so I want to talk to you, because the last one I talked about abundance, today, today I want to talk to you about living life today. Here's my, here's my, my, my little thought. Write it down. Jesus thinks today, we think tomorrow. I would write it down if I were you. Jesus thinks today, we think tomorrow. Over and over again in this text, Jesus says, no, don't give thought about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, don't waste all your energy on tomorrow. I, I want you to focus in on today. So notice what he says in verse 25. He says this, don't be worried. Why is Jesus telling his followers, don't be worried? Because we worry. Somebody say, that's deep. We have a natural tendency to worry. We live in a world, listen, that has accepted worry anxiety as something that is normal. Okay, I, I'm going to push back. I know it's going to be hard for some of you. But living preoccupied and worry and fear and dread, I know culture says that is normal, but the kingdom says that is abnormal. And what we do is we accept things because culture has made it acceptable when the kingdom says, no, you don't accept that. You overcome that. And so we have to understand that now worry is that inner feeling of being torn apart because of circumstances and situations. It's outside of your control. In fact, the word Worry means to be pulled in different, it, it'd be like tying a rope to one, one arm and a rope in the other arm, and that was now attached to a horse on this side and attached to a horse on that side, and also they, shah, and worry literally is you've been torn apart. You're out of control. So, how many of us right now are dealing, don't, don't respond, with worry about my kids, a family, finances, Middle East? situations. Worry about what's going to happen about the future. I am just worried that it may be a repeat of fill in the blank. 
I'm just worried because it looks like it's going to be like that. I'm just worried because it seems to be falling into that pattern. Jesus is not telling his followers not to feel it, but don't, he says, just don't become it. I may feel worry, but I don't have to become it. You don't ignore your feelings. You process them, but you don't become them. Feeling is an emotion. It's just that I don't have to be consumed and led by it. So he says this. Don't worry about three things. Verse 31. Food. Somebody say food. Say water. Clothing. Watch this. Food is what gives you sustenance and strength. Water what keeps you hydrated so you don't become thirsty. And clothing provides covering for your body. So he's saying refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge today. He tells them previously that the Heavenly Father will take care of them. Now, now I'm gonna, I, I want you to see something because Scripture interprets Scripture. You've got to interpret the Bible in the, in, in the right context. Because if you don't interpret the Bible in the right context, it is not exegesis, it's isogesis. And what we do is that we, we quote Scriptures, but we never, ever study what's before and what's after. Because if you don't do that, then you come up with weird doctrine. Are you hearing me? That's why I believe in these last days we need to raise up men and women that actually know their Bible. And I'm going to tell you this. You can't learn it all on a Sunday. You, you can't learn it all on a Sunday. You need to find a place. Don't worry. I'm launching a platform where I'm going to help you. And Pastor Dustin's going to help you. Really, and, and, and Jamie's going to do a course. And we're going to help you really learn the Bible. How many of that's a good idea? How many of you love to sit down? with some world-renowned pastors and leaders, and you're having your coffee, and you're doing your course. Come on, help me now. And we help you with why, why should you learn the Word of God? Because everything about life is found in the Word of God. It's like a two-edged sword, right, that cuts asunder between bone and marrow. The Word of God is alive and active, and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Some of you need to turn off Fox and turn off CNN and turn off the news and turn on the Word of God a little bit more. So now it's very interesting. If we go to the book of John chapter 6, we're going to do something, John chapter 6, and show you how the Bible interprets the Bible. John chapter 6, and we're going to begin at verse 30. John chapter 6, verse 30. I'm going to go very quickly for the sake of time. John chapter 6, verse 30. Jesus is talking about he's the bread of life. And, uh, and he goes and talks about a lot of things, but for the sake of time, I've got to jump right into it. And I'm actually going to read out of the Passion Translation for this section. It says this, verse 35, if you're, verse 30, if you're there, say, I'm there. If, you say, if you're not there, say, wait. Okay, I'll wait for you. Jesus answered, verse 29, the work you can do for God starts with believing in the one he sent. They replied, show us a miracle so we can see it. Moses took care of our ancestors who were fed by the miracle of manna every day in the desert. Just like the scripture says. I don't know if they have that up or not, but this is crazy. Thank you. <laughs> they agreed. <laughs> Just like the scripture says, he fed them with bread from heaven. 
you missed it, but I'm going to help you. What sign will you perform for us? The truth is, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. It's my Father who offers bread that comes, from, comes a dramatic sign from heaven. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. Then please, sir, give us his bread every day, they replied. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. So I want you to understand, we read in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or what you're going to wear. Jesus says that my heavenly Father will take care of you like he takes care of the birds and the flowers. I said to you that what, the, what culture pursues, the kingdom attracts. I told you that believing in Jesus gets you in the kingdom, but thinking like Jesus makes you free. And you have to understand now that Jesus is dealing with this because we can't get it wrong. I want you to look at your Bible. We can't get it wrong. Why? Because in this text, they're talking to Jesus, and they're pointing back to Moses and the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. And they said this, that Moses took care of Israel. That's fine, Exodus 16, 4. And they said, they said he fed them with manna every day. They quoted the Scripture, and look what they quoted he fed them with bread from heaven. This is crazy. Because they quote that, that, that the scripture says he fed them with bread from heaven. God, God called it bread, but they called it manna. God told them what it was, but they kept saying, what is it? They said he fed them with bread from heaven. God called it bread. Culture redefines it and calls it manna. You understand, it was never manna. They said, what is it? It's manna. No, no, God said it's bread. We have to be careful because in this culture, we're redefining everything. What God says is marriage, culture calls it, what is it? Everything about culture is redefining what God has already said. And so if we're not careful, we allow culture to keep redefining things that God has already clarified. We do the same thing. God calls it worship. Some people call it emotionalism. God calls it generosity. We call it multi-level marketing. It's crazy that people are attacking pastors and churches because it is the enemy. Why? Because the enemy is trying to redefine what God has already defined in the Scripture. So what does Jesus do? Jesus said something very interesting. Jesus gave him the truth in verse 32. He said, Moses did not give you the bread. Jesus said it was God that was giving the bread. Listen to what, what they did. They emphasized the wrong he. They could see Moses, but they could not see God. They emphasized what they could see. They gave credit to the wrong he. Thus, they were trusting in the wrong one. If you miss this, we start trusting in the wrong he. And so we give credit, come on, to the wrong one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So what did Jesus say? Jesus says three things about the bread. It says it's the true bread, that which is genuine, real, and satisfying. It comes, it comes from God, and he is the divine and eternal, and it's of life who imparts and nourishes and sustains life. 
Jesus goes on to say that now he is the water. If you believe in him, if you believe on him, if you continue to turn to him, he says this, he is the one that quenches your thirst. Being thirsty is not the issue. It's how you quench your thirst. Everything Jesus begins to speak about is he wants you to understand that God is in your today. Most of us, we waste our energy on what's coming tomorrow. But Jesus says, sufficient is the trouble, come on somebody, of. And Jesus says, his grace is new every morning. If you understand that Jesus thinks today, but we think tomorrow. We, we pray these prayers. God, what's coming? What's coming? And that's okay. And we could prophesy to the future. I think that's okay. But can you live in the moment? Most of us can't appreciate the now because we're caught up in the then. And a lot of us, we're not careful. We live in the when, then. When everything is right, then I'll be happy. When everything gets broken through, then I'll have that. When, and, and can I tell you about the when, then, the when, then, the when, then, the when, then never happens. I have it to learn now at 58 years of age. I know I don't look like it. 50 years. You missed it. <laughs> At 58 years of age, I have to learn. It takes me a long time to learn. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> Clap your hands right now. Come on. Don't miss the moment right now because you're thinking about Monday and you're thinking about your job and you're thinking about what is coming. I'm here to tell you, you are not here by divine action. You're here by divine appointment that God has something for you Today, today he has something for you. Right now, he has something for you. There is a moment, there's a rhema that God, in fact, when I'm preaching, he's going to tell you something that's not even related to my message. How many times I walk into our lobby, I'm a parking lot guy, everybody that pulls into the church, the church LV, thinks I'm in the parking lot ministry, if they're the first time guests. And some of them are rude because I'm just kind of waving at them and time to go that way. They blow right by me. Then when the sermon comes, they say, oh, my God, that was the guy in the parking lot. <laughs> and people come up to me after the message and say, wow, pastor, when you said this, I never said it. Because you know what? God will use a sermon to awaken you so he could speak to you something that may not even be in the sermon. What, what, what's going to happen? We've had a meltdown in the stock market. I can't believe it. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen with China? What's going to happen with Iran? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen? I don't even know why I'm doing this, but what is going to happen? <laughs> how, many gets, how many get preoccupied with what's going to happen? Can I just say, come on, wave at me. What's going to happen? If you're not waving your hand, you're lying. <laughs> because it's our natural tendency I'm not talking about we do not plan. There's a difference between planning and worrying. I have, I have planned my investments. I plan for my family's future. It's not what I'm talking about. But I refuse to worry about the future. You know what worry is? Worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you going but gets you nowhere. 
You know what worry is? Worry is the dark room where the negatives of life are developed. That's what it does. It just eats up all your time. I've wasted so much of my life by worrying. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Hope my kids marry the right one. I, I hope Wendy, I hope Wendy finally, finally gets right with God. I just wonder. <laughs> you notice I say that when she's not in the front row. If you, how many, how many of you, come on, if you're honest, how many of you tend to battle worry and anxiety? Can I, I'm, I'm raising my hand. Keep your hand up if you, come on, if you're honest. You, and how many, keep your hand up, how many of you that you're worrying about something and, you, and, it, and it didn't end up the way you thought it was going to end up and you were all worried about it and you go, oh my gosh, why did I worry about it? Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is trying to get us to understand something that now with Jesus, I could live in today and I could trust him for tomorrow. Did you catch that? I live in today. I am in Dallas at one of the greatest, I'm in Allen, Texas, uh, multi-site church preaching at one of the greatest churches, come on, in America. Okay, let me, let me try this section. I don't know about you. I, I'm in Allen, I think I'm in Allen, Texas. Am I in Allen, Texas? Yeah, because I'm still asleep. I'm two hours behind you, okay? I'm still on West Coast time. Okay, I'm in Allen, Texas, a multi-site church, preaching at one of America's greatest churches right now. Today, I am doing that. How would your life change if you're out to dinner with your wife, that you put your phone down and you engage with your wife, and you, she doesn't have to look at you and say these words, are you listening to me? I got one woman said, come on, come on, Amen. Because you could actually be somewhere but not be there. I see it all the time in my church, especially football season. I'm like, really, dude, you're checking the score of the Raiders? I'm not even prophetic, but I could tell you what's going to happen. Oh, I know, I know. This is Dallas Cowboy country. And you say these words. This is our year. But after about six or seven weeks, you say, this may be our year. And then when it ends up the way it always ends up, this might happen next year. Because li listen to me, everything about life is about you not enjoying what you have in the moment. That's what all marketing is. Marketing is trying to tell you your two-year-old car is old and dilapidated, decapulated, whatever-lated. And <laughs> marketing is all about telling you what you don't have, and it doesn't get you to think about what you really do have. <laughs> Jesus thinks today. We think what? Tomorrow. I'll be happy when? I'll be happy when this happens. I, I have these numbers that I had in my mind when I was a youth pastor. When I have 200 kids, I'll be happy then. Then I got 200, and I'm like, I'm not happy anymore. Then I, the big number was 1,000, and we broke 1,000 in the youth ministries. And, man, I, you thought I'd be, yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe it's 1,200. 
Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just get to where you are because I'm an entrepreneur. And when, I, when my business hit six figures in my business, I thought the six figures would do something for me. And it's like, okay. And if I'm not careful, instead of rejoicing and thanking God for what I have today, I keep living in an imaginary tomorrow that never comes. So I was recently at a, at, a, at a business seminar, and this guy says, hey, you know, they say money can't buy you happiness, but it's a sure good down payment. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed. It was so funny, but really, <clears throat> happiness is different than contentment. I've learned to be content when I abound and when I abase. I learned to be content when I was living in a, in, a, in a trailer in Costa Mesa, California. And when I had my dream home a few years ago and I had a dream home. And I'm just going to say it because I'm old enough to say it now. I had an awesome home, 7,800 square feet. I had the movie theater, panoramic view of the Las Vegas Strip. It was bad. It was like off the chain. It was dripping everywhere. I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to end. I got you. <laughs> so what does Jesus say? Get this. Don't worry about eat what you're going to eat, because why? He's the bread from heaven. Don't worry what you're going to drink, because he's the one that quenches your thirst for love, purpose, and passion. Don't worry what you're going to wear, for he provides his robe of righteousness, and you have right standing with God. So now we can live in today and declare, listen to this, what I cannot process today, I will bring to Jesus. I won't take tomorrow's troubles on today. And I'll grow my faith simply by trusting in God's grace, which is sufficient for God doesn't give us grace for our imaginations, but for the situations we're facing for today. Preaching Betty, and you'll say amen. So, first experience I preach on abundance. This experience, Jesus li lives. Jesus uh, lives in today, but but we live always in tomorrow. There's a reason why, and third one's going to be different. I might uh, do another kingdom thought from Jesus because here's the problem. If you don't get this kingdom principle, you'll be chasing something that will never, ever come into your life. I, I, I could tell you everything that I thought when I finally got it, it didn't do it. Things were never meant to complete you. Only God can complete you. Let me speak to the people that are, are single. It trips me out with people. I want to tell you this. Learn to live life today content, fulfilled, blessed. So funny because I, 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 I talk to men and they're complaining and, or maybe there's women that are complaining. But there was a day when you were praying for a spouse. On your knees, God, bring me a man. <laughs> bring me a man of God. And you're a woman praying that prayer. I'm just making sure we understand that. 
Just want to clarify, I'm in Texas, I don't know. No, no, no. You would pray that and then you get what you prayed for. But you thought you were marrying Jesus. But you were marrying a person. Instead of like thinking like I I need out like maybe you should say God today by your grace we're gonna begin to see this thing change. Uh, how about like 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 some of you like well when I get this or when why don't you begin to say God thank you for today that you're providing for me. Thank you Lord God that my needs are being met. God, thank you, Lord God, there's greater things that are coming. But I'm grateful, come on, what I have today. I've been studying neuroscience a lot because I don't need to go to college to get a degree for it. You just could go to YouTube University and learn everything. And from the leading neuroscientists, you know, there's neurogenesis where you actually, they actually are believing now that you're, that you might remember, they said when your brain gets damaged, it can never come back. That's a lie. They are finally discovering, watch me, that you can actually now regenerate your brain. You know how it does? This is crazy. You know how it is? You know how they do this? I'm almost done because you, you remember when I used to be over there in Centralia, right back in the day. And you'd see, I haven't changed, bro. I haven't changed. I still preach long. Okay. And the same energy. I know. I got the same energy. I know. It, it is legal. Barely. Barely. And here's what the leading neuroscientists are saying, Jamie. Not Christian. Secular, because secular people know more than Christians. Yeah, right. Here is the greatest hack they're learning. When you begin to have gratitude, it begins to rewire your brain. And now the circuits start lining up again. The greatest thing you could do when you find yourself in a funk is to stop and have 20 seconds of gratitude. But you know what? How crazy is this? The greatest neuroscientist on the planet, his name is God. He said this in the book of Philippians, Dr. Philippians. It says this, whatever things are, Come on, how many quarter, whatever things are, good, true, what? That's why you need to do our course. Does everybody know where it is? 4-8, who said that? Uh, yeah, you're a pastor, of course. If you didn't know this, you're fired. <laughs> Kind of cut budget, bro. I'll help you real quick. I'll do it today because I'm leaving tomorrow. You ready for this? Say yes. Okay, yes. here it is. This is what I want you to do today. Finally, brothers, Church 1132, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things.